0: Scripture this morning is from 2 Peter 1, 12 through 21. Therefore, I intend to keep on reminding you of these things, though you know them already and are established in the truth that has come to you. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to refresh your memory, since I know that my death will come soon, as indeed our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory saying, This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of the scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came from human will, but men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God.
1: It is great to be here with Church of the Cross. It's been a highlight of my recent days and my recent association with the United Methodist Church to come and be a part of all of you here. And today, I want to draw your attention to the red roses on the altar. Is there not a woman in this room who wouldn't want to have a dozen red roses, right? wonderful thing to look at and behold, especially on Mother's Day. Because Mother's Day is a day when we remember those who have nurtured us, those who nurture children, those who have given themselves in some way to a younger person. If someone has mothered, They have offered kind and protective care. You heard the children. They knew that. They knew that very clearly because they have experienced it. And that idea of offering kind and protective care happens to be Webster's definition of mothering. Now, in some relationships, mothering has to do with giving birth. And in others, it does not. I mentioned a special relationship that I had with the children this morning. But however you understand such a relationship, we know one thing, that you cannot be mothering and having someone feel that mothering unless it's grounded in love. So we know that this day is grounded in love. That's why I brought roses. The rose has been considered a symbol of love. The single rose has forever and always meant one thing. I love you. We Ready now? There we go. Y'all can hear me now? All right, the kind of love that we're talking about when we think about it in Greek mythology, as well as in the Roman culture, is an earthly kind of love. And that's not the kind of love I want to talk about today. Because we know earthly love is very different from the love that we experience as Christians. When Christianity claimed love and claimed this flower... The meaning became a spiritual one, one of spiritual love and purity, an unconditional kind of love that is filled with grace. Totally unconditional. The rose also symbolized Mary. I told the children that one of Mary's flowers was the forget-me-not. The other one was the rose. Mary, the mother of Jesus, it is said in the Roman Catholic Church that the original rosary used in prayer, was actually a strand of roses. Now, probably not these big ones with the thorny branches, but maybe those delicate little ones that that climb up or whatever. But the rosary was actually a strand of roses when that whole practice began. The rose has also come to be associated with remembering, remembering important events from birth to death. I don't know if you do this here in this church, but in churches I've been in, oftentimes a rosebud is placed on the altar when a baby is born. And then we see roses at various important times throughout our life as people in relationship. Well, some years ago, I did a wedding that was quite unique, very different, very moving. The couple had asked me, as part of their wedding, to do a rose ritual. Now, I'd never heard of this before, but they gave me the words to read. And what we did that, that particular day, when they were married, was they exchanged roses. Each one had a rose and they exchanged them. And there was a beautiful reading about how if ever in their relationship, in their marriage together, they would have a challenging time, and they were finding it difficult to get over that challenge. The plan was that a rose would be left in a predetermined place, and whoever had left the rose could trust that the other, when receiving it from that special place in their home, would know that their love was unconditional, that there was a remembering of their vows on the day that they were married, a remembering of the promise, the covenant, that they had made together. In God's presence and in the presence of family and friends, Well, now what we know, and what they knew, and what we talked about as we counseled together was that flowers come and go. But those people who have rose bushes know that the rose bush is a perennial plant. It comes back. We also know that it survives from year to year, but we know that the beauty of the bud is an eternal memory, an eternal memory, an eternal thing for us. So love is the central theme of the story of our faith. Love is what we celebrate, it's what we learn from, it's what we grow in, and it's what we remember so that we can offer it to others as God has offered it to us through God's love, through Jesus. So you see, a rose is not just a rose. You've heard that phrase, right? That's what was on the front sign as I drove in this morning. The title of this message, a rose is a rose. Well, it really is not just a rose. It is how we are called to love people. It's how we are called to be a people of remembrance. It's how we are called to be Easter people and mark the events of life. With love. Now, the subject of remembering is a really interesting one, and that's where we're going to spend our time the rest of this message. You know, as I'm getting older, it's getting a lot harder to remember everything I want to remember. Some days it's very frustrating. How many of you were there? You know, it's hard to remember everything. You go from one room to the next, and you don't know why you did it. Well, I want you to know, and I want you to think About times, if you're struggling with your memory off and on, you're having that half Heimer's time in your life. I want you to think about how easy it is to remember things that are grounded in love. You can forget a phone number. You might not forget the phone number of your mother because of your love for her. Love will help us remember things. I'm 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 brought I'm brought to a time with my stepmother who recently passed away. She she died in July, this last July, and she had Alzheimer's. And I know when we went to see her, there were times when she couldn't remember our names. She would talk with us, but she didn't know who we were. And then as the disease progressed, she got to where she didn't even speak. But if she saw us, what do you think she did? smiled. She responded. She reacted in some way. Because you see, even people who have a memory related health diagnosis, they respond to love. You know, it is so incredible that our relationships can transcend things like that. Relationships that we have. And I hope Nathan figures that out as he deals with his current challenge, that love speaks loudly if we listen for it. And and it it rises above anything else that seems difficult. So we're going to look at three questions this morning. What does it mean to remember? What are we supposed to remember? And what do we do with what we remember? The first question is really a definition question, isn't it? The word remember in the dictionary tells us that it is about bringing to mind or thinking of again. If we look at the word remember in the context of the Bible, we'll we'll find it there 250 times. So we must know that remembering is important. The Old Testament Hebrew definition is to mark, to recall, or to recollect. Very similar. And in the New Testament, now there's a little difference here, so listen carefully. The definition in the New Testament Greek is to rehearse, rehearse, and fix in the mind. That's different. To rehearse and fix in the mind. If we are called to be a people of remembrance or rehearsal or recollection, we are called to rehearse or recollect the activity of God from the past and the activity of God in our midst now. The scripture reading this morning from 2 Peter will help us with the second question. According to one study resource that I have, the words of this letter were were discussed a lot in this study resource as probably not being the words that were actually written by the Apostle Peter. The letter was most likely given his name because it was a common practice in those days to attribute writings like this to an apostle so that the church could be reminded of what it had received from God through the apostles. In other words, it was congruent with the message. This letter was written to meet the challenges that the church had had with persons who were distorting the traditions of the faith. The author's goal was to firmly establish the faith of the church by emphasizing the things that that the faithful were to remember. We have certain things as the faithful that we are supposed to remember. Those things have not changed since this letter was written. And here are the things that we are supposed to remember. We are to always remember that the gospel is good news. Always remember that will never change. Always been, always is, always will be. Look at your favorite stories in the Bible. Note the consistency of the message because that's what we're rehearsing the consistency. Stories like Moses and the Israelites in the wilderness have helped people fix in their minds that God is a God of victory. The story of Noah and the ark fixes in the minds of the people that God is a God of promises. Then there's the 11th chapter of Hebrews, which is a whole history A whole rehearsal through time of all those who have witnessed to the faith. On and on and on this goes as we remember, rehearse, recollect God's love for us through those stories. We are also supposed to remember what we have experienced and what those experiences have shown us. Because we all have them. It's pretty Wesley in here. Scripture, experience now. We bump into hard things. We bump into hard things all the time. And if we look closely at them, at them, we can figure out where God showed up. If we think about it, we can see where God showed up. Then we can get this insight into God and the relationship that God wants to have with us. And then, whenever we have these hard challenges, whenever we bump into something else, we need to rehearse what we remember from the last bump in the road. We don't need new insights like this to cope. We need to just remember And rehearse what we've already experienced with God. And then, always remember God's grace. The unconditional love that's always offered. This is the thing that we remember that makes us Easter people. Grace. Incredible grace. It's what Easter's all about. Jesus rehearsed for us. That God is a God of eternal things. Most significantly, love and forgiveness. How do we know? We heard it at the Last Supper. And we hear it every time we celebrate a meal at that table. We do this in remembrance of Jesus. We do this to rehearse his grace and fix in our minds so we can draw upon it when we forget. Because humans forget, don't we? Now, what about the third question? What do we do with what we remember? Are you ready? We trust it. We hope in it. Hope. Confidently expecting the presence of God. Awesome to hear that this morning with the music. So we trust it. We trust God to continue to act. We trust that Jesus will come again. We trust that love lives in us. You know, I'm not sure every day that, that we're doing that. Love lives in you. God put it there. We trust our witness to the story, and we offer it. Are you doing that? Are you trusting the stories as you rehearse them? And are you offering that witness to other people? And we trust that endings will always be beginnings. Bette Midler did a song in the 80s entitled, The Rose. Anybody remember it? This song is another rehearsal. And I know oftentimes music for me is a rehearsal of so much of God. It's a modern-day rehearsal of the power of love and eternal things. It's a witness to renewal. And I'd like you to hear the words. Here is how they go. I think you're going to get to see them. Some say, love, it is a river that drowns the tender reed. Some say, love, it is a razor that leaves your soul to bleed. Some say, love, it is a hunger and endless aching need. I say, love, it is a flower and you its only seed." I want you to carry that love with you today. I want you to trust that love. I want you to live in that love. And I want you to be blessed by remembering this love. And all God's people said,